Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Trevor Baker is called The Trial of Faith. We are excited to invite you to our upcoming Prophetic Seers Gathering with guest speakers Jane Hammond, Phil Whitehead and Trevor Baker from the 16th to the 18th of November. Please visit our website for registration. There is no charge. Offerings will be taken. www.revivalfires.org.uk I do believe that as we go through life, there is a trial of faith. And, and the trial is so that we are tested. Do you know the song you've been singing? Um, faithful in the fire, constant in the trial. Still I will trust you, God. Listen, you can't sing that and not think that you're going to go through things at times that you would not have chosen to go through and yet God in taking you through it is going to have such an impact on your life that you will never be the same again. Amen? Have I got an amen here? Anybody gone through a trial? Anybody gone through a time of refining? You know, and listen, this is just how God does things. And, and listen, and all the way we go through, you see, Jesus said, even when he faced the cross, that this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And there is a sense, you see, because what we have to understand is joy is not produced by the things that happen to us. That's happiness. See, I could say, are you happy this morning? And some of you could say, yeah, I'm really happy today. And uh, others of you could say, well, no, I'm not so happy, you know, that the washing machine broke down, the dishwasher's not working. And that means, that means, men, the dishwasher's not working. That doesn't mean that your wife's having a day off. It means that the dishwasher's not working. And, um, you know, and so there's things that go on. It may be that come, you've gone through this week and there may have been a loss of a job. You may have gone through this week and there has been a moving over into another um, job or another department that you've been in. You may have gone through this week and you may have not come up to the mark that other people set you. And so we can always look at those things and we can say, well, no, I haven't really had a very happy week, you know. But you see, joy is something different. Joy is produced as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And listen, and when you go through times of trial, let me tell you, that is the time when God is going to fill you in new ways because through the trial, through the pressure, He is going to expand you. He is going to cause you to be expanded so that you can receive more. You know, that's always the case. And, you know, we can look at it. You see, so often when I... You know, have a message like this and think, God, how can you, how can I put it into words that people can understand it and can begin to work with it in their own lives? And you see, for many of you here, how many people are here and you were here the first day we ever walked into the building here when it was nothing? Wave your hands to me. Okay, there's... 
There's a few, you see. Now the thing is, if you'd have walked in then, it would not have looked like it does now. You see, if you'd have walked in then, there were nothing, there was nothing in here. It was a wide open space. There was two great big um, heaters that blew out hot air that didn't work. Um, there was a stairway at the back there up into the area where Ryan was. Um, there was nothing like in this area here. There was a mezzanine floor. That was a second floor in there with stairs going up. I mean, it did not look like this. But you see, the thing was, and also the um, first time when we came here, we hadn't purchased it then that they gave us the key so that we could come in and look at it. Now, the thing is this. There are a few people here that were there at that time. But let me tell you, we have come through a lot of trials. And you see, as we have come through that, what has God done? God has expanded us. God has enlarged us under pressure. That's what Psalm 4 says. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. Or the same word could be used. You have enlarged me under pressure. Anybody here under pressure? Well, everybody is because you have blood pressure. And if you didn't, we would have to have a resurrection service. Okay? So everybody, there's pressure in life. And pressure in God's hands is a way of enlarging us so that we can receive more. Because God always wants to increase. See, if we abide in Him, we bear fruit. And He says He wants us to produce much fruit. And He says, and I want your fruit to remain. And you see, the whole thing is this. God is always looking for ways in order to increase us. And so there is a trial of faith. You see, it's one thing having a vision and it's one thing having a perception that God wants to enlarge us. You see, and we had, when we were moving here, we had three prophetic words. Listen, prophetic words are only vision, which have built within it the potential to become a reality. But they will not be a reality unless someone takes hold of it and does something with it. And so we can all have perception, but you see what we need in order to see things become materialized and a reality, we need practice. You see, um, perception is about our view it's also, I thought there was a cat or something running in here then. It was just, it was just the shadow. I'm one of those that's easy distracted. I need to keep on track. And, and so the, the thing is, um, as you get a perception, it gives you a view of how you think things should be. And also perception has the ability to give you a sense of vision. And that is where and what you think needs to happen. And listen, we can all have a perception, we can all have a vision about what you do in a building like this. 
But you see, there were a few people that came behind a vision and they moved that vision through practice into a place where they didn't just view it and have a vision for it, that they walked it and they worked it. Can you see? Now that becomes a trial of faith. I'm not saying that, you know, the trials, you know, some people they look at trials, it's just, sometimes it's just plain stupidity. Do you know what I mean by that? It's just that we make silly choices. That's not a trial. That is just being unwise. I'm talking about trials that are there for us in order that our faith grows. Did you know faith grows? No faith, little faith, great faith, full of faith. Different ways, different measures of faith. And so here, you see, we have to realize that we move into things, we move through a trial of faith. A trial of faith is this. Are you going to hang on to what God has said and move it forward? Or are you going to let it go? That's the trial of faith. Are you going to pull back? Remember Jesus, he gave his disciples many times, many opportunities to take them through trial of their faith. And with that, he says to them, do you remember the time in John, I think it's John 12, he says, listen, are you going to walk away too? When he just opened up to them the cross. He said, are you going to walk away too? And Peter said, where can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. I am holding on to your words and I'm not holding on to whether or not this is going to be a comfortable journey. You see, and so I'm, that's the trial I'm talking about, the trial of faith. I'm talking about what has God spoken to you that you've been reaching out and holding on to God for. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 verse 7 and 8. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to be to the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, in whom you have not seen, you, you love, in whom you now see him not, but yet you believe and you rejoice with joy unspeakable that's full of glory. Yeah. Not that you... You know, enter into a time of being happy and clappy. That you enter into a time of joy that is unspeakable. And full of glory. You see, and so it's much more precious. And just like you would take gold and have it refined in order that the purity may increase. So God will take us through those times. And as he says in Isaiah chapter 43, when you walk through the fire, it will not consume you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not going to be consumed. Ha, <laughs> oh, that's good. And, and when you go through the waters, they won't overwhelm you. Tell them you're not going to be overwhelmed either. See, when you're going through things, it's good to know that, isn't it? 
And so here there is a trial of faith. And that's what I want to just spend a few minutes leading us into breaking the bread this morning. I want to lead you into what it is to have your faith tried. And you see, so often is we start in the spirit and then we move and we try and work it out ourselves. And so from there, I'm going to read to you from um, Genesis chapter 17. And it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, that is 24 years later than when the word had been given. 24 years. How many years have you been waiting for something? I do believe that we're in a year that God is saying there's open doors. This is the year of the gate. You know, that's just been said so many ways with so many prophetic voices. This is the year of the gate. That means that we can step into something. That's why a gate is there. A gate is there both as a a protection, but it's also there as an opportunity. And I want this year to be doors of opportunity for people. But you see, as you go through the trial of faith, see Abraham went through 24 years where God spoke to him and said, leave your kindred, leave your father's house and your country and go to the place that I will show you And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you so that whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. And through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Hallelujah. We are of Abraham's seed. You and me. We're of Abraham's seed. And listen, we're not talking about the natural seed. We're talking about the seed of faith. And Abraham believed God. And even though he went through trial, even though he went through times of difficulty, when God, is this going to come? Is this going to happen? You see, in Romans, which is looking back, it says Abraham never staggered at the promises of God, but grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. Believing that he who promised was able to do what he said he'd promised. Now listen, I can look back at that. You know, God's wonderful, isn't he? Because sometimes he gets us to look back. And when we look back, we don't see all the stumbles. But let me tell you, Abraham stumbled big time. He went down into, there was a famine. And he went down into Egypt. And because he was scared... That he might lose his life. Now listen, this is the guy that God had said to him. Listen, you're going to be the father of many nations. He hadn't had a son yet, but God had promised him that. He goes down to Egypt, and because he's afraid that they might kill him, because Sarah was a very attractive woman. And he says to him, look, just tell them you're my sister. You know, let's just, we just skew it a little bit in my favor. And, and so he, he says... She says, or he says, she's my sister. Then they take her, Pharaoh takes her, and he's going to sleep with her. And then God wakes him up in a dream. You know? Aren't you glad? But you see, this is the guy who never stumbled at the promises of God. I mean, I would think that's a little bit of a stumble, wouldn't you? 
And the thing is, he doesn't do it once, he does it twice. You read the story. I haven't got time to go into all the details. But he does it twice. And, and, so, and all the time, it's because he's fearful. And then, don't you think that God has promised him it's through Sarah, who's barren. That's when the promise was given. Sarah was barren, but God promised a seed, a son. And so then, you see, listening to Sarah, she said, well, listen, look, this isn't going to happen through me. But listen, Hagar, she's as good as me. No, she's not, Sarah. You need to know who you are. Huh? Come on. And she says, here, have Hagar... And so Abraham goes in with Hagar. The God had not said he was going to have it. Also, as he sleeps with her, they have a child that they name Ishmael. Listen, I would think that's a bit of a stumble, wouldn't you? Yes? I mean, I'm just saying it as it is. And yet God says that Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God, but grew strong in his faith. I'm thinking, God, what happened there? And and then he meets, nothing's happening, chapter 15. And God says to him, he says, God, how are you going to bless me? He says, a servant in my house, Eliezer, he's going to be the one who inherits everything that I've got. And God says to him, now, see again, I think that's a stumble. That's not believing. God, you promised me a seed. No matter what happens, even if there's no one in my house, you can give me a seed supernaturally. And I'm going to hold on to the seed. And God says, Eliezer will not be your seed, but one coming from your own loins. Can you see? And so here, see, there is a trial of faith. And in that trial of faith, we have to keep coming back to what has God said? See, I want you, this year is a year, if it's a year of the open gate, you need to step into that. Listen, there are just things that are happening at the moment and you think, God, how can we do all of these things? You know, on the 23rd of this month, I have had a word about going to the nations of Africa for I don't know how long. The people who have prophesied over me, you're going to go to Africa, you're going to go to Africa. And listen, there is South Africa, but that's more Western than even Western countries. And I mean, I'm talking about Africa, Africa. You know what I mean? And so there's these words, I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm just waiting. And yet just recently... Um, I've had an invitation to go to 5,000 pastors. I mean, when God's going to do something, I mean, just wait for him and he will do it. And when God does it, it's big. And uh, I, I fly out on the 23rd. I speak on the 24th and then fly back in here on the 24th to be back here for the Thursday night meeting. Listen, God can do anything. Listen, I did not think it wasn't on my horizon. If you'd have asked me this time, back in June, July, I'd have been saying, God, this is crazy. How can this go on? 
I mean, there's all the other challenges that you can have that I've gone through. And you could say, God, how is it? And as soon as it came, it was like we both looked at each other and we both said, yes, this is it. This is the door. See, hold on to it. And listen, I did not have to push. The door swung open and is all I've got to do is step into it. See, hearing what God has said and just stepping into it. This is what I'm talking about. And you can be holding on to promises, but let me tell you, God is about to move you through the door. You know, I was reading um, just before the meeting, and I, went, I hope I can quote it right, um, but it's a guy called Mark Han, uh, Hanley who's written the book, You Have Not Many Fathers. And in the book, there's one line in there, and it says this, God is not siring, producing um, children, kids for the kingdom. God is fathering ministers to minister the kingdom. See, to father or to, to sire, should I put it like that? In order to produce a child, it takes about five minutes, if you're quick. <laughs> a little bit longer if you... Okay. I know. You'll get over it. <laughs> okay. Listen, I'm just saying it as it is. Okay? And, uh, and so, but to father a child, see, fathering a child is a lifelong work. It's a lifelong relationship. It never stops. I'm realizing that now. It never stops. And not only that, but, but the, the cost level goes up. Yes. Now listen, I have no problem with that at all. No problem at all. Just as long as my children aren't here. <laughs> it's just between me and you, okay? And, uh, but you see, the thing is, God is wanting you to be fathered so that you can father. God is wanting to so work in you and in that he is going to then use you in order to bring what you've learned into the lives of other people. And, you know, sometimes we have this notion, um, you know, and it's wonderful, never lose. And I, I don't know how you call God. Some people, you know, they can't call him daddy and that's okay. Um, and if you've never called your earthly dad, daddy, it becomes very difficult to switch that into a spiritual. I understand that. Sometimes, and if, you, and if you've called him, and if you haven't called your dad father, you know, you come home from school, father. <laughs> yes, my son. <laughs> yeah, could you just imagine it like that, you know? And... Um, and so if you've, if you've not called God Father, then what I'm going to say to you is use the language that you use when you relate it to your dad. And if it's dad, and if it's papa, you know, use the language. Don't ever lose that dimension of your walk with God. And listen, for me, in public, it's a lot easier for me to call Father God or Papa. But I never called my dad Papa. It's just 
a phrase that I've, you know, got used to myself. Now, the thing is, we never lose, never lose the fact that God is your daddy, papa. And he's not just big father in heaven looking down saying, bless you, my son, bless you, my daughter. You know, all of those things. Always keep that so that you constantly keep the truth alive that you are one of his kids and he absolutely adores you. Do you understand? And it's not about maturity, all those things. You know, there's times even for me when I've just been in that place of just enjoying him as my dad and I felt a hand just ruffling my hair. You know, and that's just a, an action of endearment. See, let's never lose that. With all the trials that we go through, when it doesn't feel as if he's ruffling your hair, you know, all the trials, never lose the fact that you're still one of his little kids. And out of that, he still will provide everything for you. Have you got that? And so here, getting back then to, to trials, going back through. Here, Abraham, he was this father. He's going to also teach us some things as he walks with God. And again, listen to what it says. I am the, when Abraham was 99 years old, that's all I've been talking about so far, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. Isn't that wonderful? That's after, that's after the whole thing with his servant looking to become his heir. That's after he's produced an Ishmael. God comes to him. That's after he is virtually given Sarah away to another person. And he comes to this point and God says, he appeared to him and he says, I am El Shaddai. I am your all-sufficient one, Abraham. Everything that you require of me, I have the ability to give it to you. See? And that's what he was opening up to him. And there's this wonderful thing with um, this story about Abraham, which I'm just so being attracted to. And that is just the times when it's not about Abraham sacrificing. It's not about him leaving everything. It's about God appearing to him. See, I, I just sense that God wants to make this year a year of his appearing. You know, we're in. These are the types of things. We're in the 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 festival of tabernacles, of succor, the, the festival of booths. Now the thing was, they're just, the Israel are just reenacting the story of the traveling in the wilderness where the Shekinah glory would come down in their midst. And at a certain point in the, they would all position themselves around the tabernacle 
for this appearance of God as he came and the glory of God came down amongst them. And it was no longer visiting this person's house or that person's house. This was where the manifest presence of God, his glory came down amongst a community of people. Wouldn't it be awesome if we became that community? Wouldn't it be awesome if Dudley became that community? See, we have to start allowing God to enlarge us under pressure because it will take pressure in order to do that. And, um, and so here it says, I am the Lord Almighty. Walk before me. See, that's the thing. That God, when God appears, he wants your walk to be before him. Forget everybody else. Forget looking at everybody else. As I said to you before, it's not about your perspective. It's about your practice. We can all have a perspective this morning of how we should walk before God. We can all have a perspective of being about what God is like. But let me tell you, a practice is when you begin to live out what you perceive about God in everyday life see he wasn't saying to him anything great here he was just saying to him Abraham would you start walking before me and then he says blameless that is would you walk before me without mixture in your life see and we can all have mixtures creep into our lives. And I'm not going to go on about that. Listen, I, I believe that you are mature enough to recognize the times when there's the challenge and the pressure on you is to allow mixture to come in. I, I, I believe that you have the maturity to know that. And whatever it is, you see, see the thing is you, you have... We have people who come in to speak and, you know, and they, go for, they go for the big things. Do you know what I mean by that? They go for like, okay, what are you looking at? And you, you know straight away, or I do, you know, okay, they're going to say the, the P word in a minute. But, but listen, I'm not talking about that. I am talking about knowing when mixture comes in. And you know that in your spirit. And when that mixture comes in, and wherever that takes place, not just in your home, not just when you're alone, when you're with a group of people, when you're with your work colleagues, when you're traveling in your car, you know, and the person comes in, a mixture cuts in on you, the mixture that can easily come in. I'm talking about walk before me, blameless. And so here... That's what he says to him. He says, listen, I'm, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the all-sufficient one. But Abraham, would you walk before me? I mean, he's not telling him to do anything. He's just saying, will you walk before me? Will you put me in that place of priority? What about if we step through a door into this year and it's a doorway of priority. You know, we just have over our lives priority. And the priority is this. I'm going to walk before the Lord. What would that look like for you? What would it look like for me? See, 
It's not about telling you, you know, read your Bible every day, find a time and place to pray. You know, great little thing, little dittos. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a living relationship. You know, when my dad was alive, I didn't, I didn't have a little ditto that says, you know, go to see your dad every day. Do you understand what I mean? It was, it was something that you do, and as you do it, it becomes your everyday practice. It's like this. Walk before me. It's like getting up in the morning. I don't know how you get up. But usually when I get up, my two feet touch the floor. You might not think it sometimes, but they do. Okay? Then, this morning, I can't say every morning, so I'm going to talk about this morning. This morning, my practice was that I went downstairs, because usually on a Sunday, that's one of the days, Sharon, isn't it, that I make the coffee. Okay? So, so just so that I'm being truthful. Because you have to be truthful. And, uh, and so I go down and blame this Yes. So I usually on a Sunday. And sometimes other days. And, uh, and when Sharon speaks, she can tell you when she does it. And then you can make... Because all of you at the moment are thinking, how many times does he do it? How many times does Sharon... See, I know you've already worked that out. You know? And... Um, but the thing is, you get up, you have your cup of coffee, then I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth. Can you see? Now, I don't think about it. Then I have a shower and then do my hair and I'm ready, dressed, I'm ready for the day. It's, I go downstairs. I don't think about, the only thing I have to think about is toast. That's, I'm one of those that... If there's lots of things going, see, I'm talking about practice. There's things that you just do not think about. It just happens. Why? Because you've done it so many times. And it's no longer having a perception about what getting up looks like. It's having a practice about what getting up looks like. Do you understand? So it's all I have to do is think about toast. And then, just so that you know, Sharon's very very good at being discipled. <laughs> so now, isn't that true, Sharon? I'm See? <laughs> See, there you go. And the thing is this, that the marmalade is never put in the fridge anymore. Isn't it? See, so, there's, so I don't even have to choose which cupboard I have to go to, you know? It, it goes, it's in the cupboard, not in the fridge. Because we, we sorted that one out between us. It wasn't, it wasn't a third world war. But it was just that when you have marmalade, you need to have it room temperature. Because it tastes better. If you don't believe me, try it. You will never be the same again. But getting back to practice. See, practice. Practice. Walk before me. So that it becomes second nature. No. So that it becomes that nature of the Holy Spirit. See? Holy Spirit's in you. Those who are sons 
are led by the Spirit. So God is not even expecting you to find your own way. Because those who are sons are led by the Spirit. And so as we're led by the Spirit, we walk before him. Amen? And so here, he says to him, walk before me. Blameless. You know, don't try and work all this out for yourself, Abraham, because I am your all-sufficient one. I am the one that will minister into every area of need in your life according to my perspective and my practice. Hallelujah. We do have an awesome God. We really do. And so here, you know, just as I bring it to a close so that we can go into breaking of bread. And listen, I've not really got into, you know, I was going to talk about the seven affirmations. It's great things here. But I want to finish off with just one thing. And uh, see how easy it is when you have a lectern? I mean, it really is easy. Shuffling. <laughs> and, um, and so here, walk before me, blame this. I will confirm my covenant with you. See, and that's what God wants to do. He wants to confirm his covenant with you. And that covenant is something that he has done. And in that, what he does, he changes, he changes Abraham's name. Up until this point, he's called him Abram. After this point, he's called Abraham. God releases his breath into his name. And as he releases his breath into his name, Abraham gets hold of this new covenant and in that place of new covenant, God breathes life into him. Do you understand? Remember when God created Adam and what he did, he breathed into his nostrils and Abraham became a living being. He, he became opened up to this realm of the Spirit. It was a covenantal breath that God breathed into him. God made a covenant. I will bless you. As he said, be fruitful, increase, multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. That was the covenant to Abraham. Now, the thing is, when you meet Noah, it's a covenant that he's making to the whole earth not just to Noah. See, Abraham's covenant was a covenant to Abraham, so he breathed into him. With Noah, it was a covenant he was making that he was no longer going to flood the earth again. And Noah had found favor. And God said to him, he just reestablished the same blessing that he gave to Abraham. Do you understand? And Noah had not died. He'd gone through the flood, through the ark. So there wasn't need of God's outbreathing into him. 
When you come to Abraham, there is a new covenant being established that God now is going to raise up a seed through Abraham, which was a seed of faith, and God was making a new covenant with a person, Abraham. And so with Abraham, and also then with Sarah, he breathes into him. And he says, you're no longer going to be called Abram, you're going to be called Abraham. And so there's this outbreathing of God, which is going to make it possible for him to produce what God has promised in the covenant. Amen? Now listen, as we come to break bread this morning, there's something wonderful. When I looked at this, when I found this the other day, I was just meditating on it. Do you remember when Jesus with Peter, do you remember Peter? What's Peter doing? Peter, having walking before the Lord in the spirit, he then allows mixture to come in through fear. See, usually mixture will come in through all different ways. See, you have to find the way mixture will trying to make an attack into your life. And every way is different. Why? Because the enemy knows your weak points. And that's the point where he will try and bring mixture in. And so with Peter, do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, everybody's going to betray me. I'm not, Lord. I'm going to stay with you. I'll never betray And he says, Peter, before the, croc, the, the cock crows three times, you'll have denied me three times. And he says, but I have prayed for you. That what? He could be strong? No. That your faith does not fail. See, there's a trial of faith. And when you have been restored, I want you to restore others. See, it's not, Peter, this is not just about you. But I will so provide for you. I will be your all-sufficient one because I'm praying for you. I will be your all-sufficient one. So when you have reached that place of my sufficiency, you can then minister that into the lives of others so they can know my all-sufficiency. That's a wonderful truth. And so he meets Peter. This is before the do you love me. There's 11 of them. They're up in the upper room. Peter's there with them. And Jesus comes right into appearing. See, that's it. Jesus appeared. And he says, peace be unto you. And then he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, because... He had just made, three days previously, he just made a new covenant. And now there was this inbreathing of God that was going to give them all that they needed. His all-sufficiency was going to be breathed in to their lives so that they could enjoy the fullness of the covenant that God had made with them. They did not have to do anything anything. See, when God breathed into Abraham, God gave Abraham the ability to produce sons. 
And then he says, and Sarai will no longer be called Sarai. She will be called Sarah. Because I'm breathing life into, because I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And I have made a covenant with you. So therefore, it is up to me to do everything that I said I would do. And so with that, he then says, and now Sarah will have a son and you will call his name Isaac. And God breathed into them and the inbreathing of God released his all-sufficiency for them to finally bring forth the promise of God in their lives. I believe that God doesn't change. I believe his ways are still the same today. I believe the Lord says to us this one, I, the Lord, do not change. I have made a covenant with you. And in that covenant, I have made specific promises to you. Not just that I will forgive you your sins. And if that's all he did, that would be awesome but that you would be a kingdom of priests to serve me. You know, where we begin to administer the kingdom. I'll come to these things at other times. But I feel this morning as we come to break bread, just to realize afresh that God has breathed into you through the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's breathed in is his ability to do and to provide everything for you that he says he will provide for you. See, this is a new covenant. And just like in new covenants, there were things that were God-breathed. That's what the scriptures say. Even the words were God-breathed. See, I believe this morning as we come, let us not just have a perception. Let's begin to look at our practice how we walk before the Lord he longs for us to come to him he really does and listen he knows he knows that if there are unwise decisions that you're making he is your wisdom he is your wisdom he will give you the wisdom that you need. And if it is that you're just needing to know more of his wisdom in order to walk and work out the things that he brought your life and my life into being for, let's make this a journey, shall we? Together, where we are entering in more fully to the manifest presence of God where it's no longer visitations but he comes and dwells amongst us and as he dwells that we walk before him no mixtures in our lives I was going to get into that but I'm not just Phil why don't you stand this morning oh thank you Lord see faithful in the fire constant in the trial 
Because what God is producing in us is the ability to trust him. What is trust? It's holding on to him when there's nothing else to hold on to. That's all trust is. That you've chosen him more than anything else. And so when you take hold of him, is what happens is he's took hold of you and he won't let you fail because he's your all-sufficient one. So Father, for everyone here today who's going through difficult things in their lives, times of trial, times of the fire, let them know today that it's because you're producing something in them that's going to result in a new song of praise, in a new walk of honoring you, and in a new expression of your glory. And they will come to a place, Lord, where that inexpressible joy is released through them. Father, we thank you for Suan this morning. Thank you for the joy that she carries because she chose to hold on to you as a refuge. Lord, let her be an example to us today. And everything else we can lose sight of, let go of. Lord, in the end, we never let go of your word over our lives. And so, Father, would you come minister to us today, even as we come to enjoy this covenant. <laughs>